Let me tell you about my brother David. <clears throat> There's five kids in our family, and my brother David is closest to me, and I think in his DNA, uh, he's wired to annoy me. I think it is my brother Dave's goal in life to punch my buttons, and there was uh, a period of time, several years, that it didn't matter what it was, what the subject was, David's goal was to punch my buttons, and the more irritated I would get, the bigger <clears throat> the smile would be on his face, and he knew he had accomplished his task. It, it didn't even have to be anything really important. He just wanted to annoy me and punch my buttons. He still tries today. I, I just don't let him achieve that goal as much. And, and distance has helped. When you're in the same house, um, it makes it tough. So here's what I want to do today. I, I want to <clears throat> be my brother Dave to you, and I want to punch your buttons. I don't want to do it to irritate you. I want to do it to stretch you and challenge you. So if you want to challenge, if you want to punch buttons for church people, there are a few buttons that people really get upset over. They argue about, they fuss about, they split about. So I want to punch one of those buttons today, and that button has to do with worship. When I say worship, what comes to your mind? Several things, depending on your background, how you were raised, what church you grew up in. Maybe you think about singing. Maybe you think about communion. Maybe you think about the preaching. Maybe you think about candles. Maybe you think about ceremonies. Maybe you think about rituals. Different things come to your mind when I say worship. So what I thought I would do today is I just made a list of things that Christians... And it's not just us, it's not just churches of Christ. When, when you say worship, people can really get riled up. It's a button that Christians really get upset about. So I made a list of things just through the years that I've noticed, things that I've observed. So let me punch some of your worship buttons today. Here's my list. <clears throat> Here's things Christians have fussed, argued, split over. When it comes to these, here's some worship buttons, all right? We have fussed about the frequency of worship. I mean, do we just worship Sunday morning? Do we need to worship Sunday night? Do we have to come back Wednesday nights? We've fussed over that. We've fussed about the time of worship. Can we worship at 8 or 9 or 10? Or can we, change, can we make it later so I can sleep in? Can we have it earlier so I can come to worship and have the rest of my day? I can remember growing up when we changed the time, when we changed to the scriptural time, 9.45. That's when you worship. But churches fuss over that. And Christians, we, we fussed over the order of worship. I can remember the first time we changed the order of worship when I was growing up and we had communion after the sermon. Oh, you thought they were praying for the Lord to come right then and there. You can't change the order of worship. We fussed over the participants in worship. Is it just men? Can it be young men? Can it be boys? Does it have to be baptized believers? If we use the boys, do they need to be baptized believers? Can it be women? We fussed over the gender of participants. And don't think that one's going away. Because churches are still fussing over that and splitting over that. It's not just us. Some churches use women in various ways. Some churches use families, including the women in the families, to serve the communion. We fussed over the length of worship. 
An hour? Hour and a half? You want to go two hours? How about three hours? We all have an opinion on that. We fussed over the length of hair in worship. You think I'm kidding? I've told you before that I learned way after the fact. You know, I was in high school in the 70s, so it's hard to believe my hair was longer. But my hair was shoulder length in the 70s, and my dad was an elder. And little did I know the grief that people gave my dad because his son didn't need to be in worship with that length of hair. We fussed over the color of hair in worship. That one's not funny to you? We fussed over clothing for worship. How far back do you want me to go when women started wearing pantsuits? Should we always wear coat and tie? Should the men who serve communion wear coat and tie? So we, we fussed over. Tell that boy to get that hat off his head. Clothing issues. We've fussed over the location of worship because you have to be in this building. If we're not in this building, is it worship? Can we go worship out on the land? If we're at Camp Deer Run, is that worship? We fussed over what happens in worship. Not even going to give you a list. We fussed over the decor in worship, the color of the auditorium. Churches have split over the color of carpet in the auditorium. When it comes to worship, we fussed over praise teams, support teams. I liked it when somebody said, you can have four people on the praise team, not eight. Where do you get that? (laughs) You can have eight and not twelve. We have fussed over projectors. We fussed over songs. I mean... We, we, I was talking to Rodney the other day. There's shape notes, round notes, square notes, triangle notes. Some of y'all don't even know a note. Do we only sing the Stamps Baxter songs? Do we only sing the songs written by Tillard S. Tedley? Can we... I remember when we couldn't sing the songs where you hummed because humming is not singing because you need to sing. Does it need to be four-part harmony? Y'all are not having near as much fun with this list as I am. <clears throat> We fussed over the Lord's table. When I grew up, we had a Lord's table right here. We don't have a Lord's table right here. We don't have a Lord's table back there. We don't have a Lord's table. You've got to have a Lord's table because the Lord's table has the crosses on it. And you've got to have the emblems that have the crosses on it. You, you think I'm making these up? I'll keep going. <clears throat> Do we have pews or chairs? You want me to tell you what made that decision for us? The cost. When we learned it was going to cost $90,000 to put pews in this auditorium, we're like, chairs are good. (laughs) Choirs. Call them what you want. We had a choir last Sunday night, but it's okay. Sunday nights don't matter. When I was growing up, <clears throat> we had a, a singing group. We, had a, we called them a barbershop quartet. We had four guys in church that um, were phenomenal singers. You know when they sang? After we said amen and dismissed God. Because God's not about to listen to that. <laughs> Clapping, raising hands. <clears throat> Let's go back. I don't want you to see that yet. 
You heard about the person, I, I, I was telling the office the other day, you heard about the person who heard uh, that the church had used women in um, serving communion. So they called the church office and they said, um, we heard you use women to serve the Lord's Supper yesterday. And the church secretary said, well, that's not true, but it's the only meal around here the women don't serve. I don't know if you've noticed, but worship changes. Worship in your time, lifetime has changed. Worship in the last 10 years has changed. Worship in the last 20 years has changed. 20 years ago, we didn't have projectors. 20 years ago, we didn't have screens. 20 years ago, we didn't put the words up on... You, you know when we used to put the words up on the deal? We fussed because the music wasn't up there. We spent $1,000 to put the music up on the screen. Somebody just said, oh, wow. I'm not going to tell them your name, John. <laughs> worship has changed over the last... And worship should change. You, I don't know if you've noticed, but worship in churches of Christ, you can go to another church of Christ in town, and it's pretty much going to be the same, but from church of Christ to church of Christ, the worship's different. There's a lot of churches, churches of Christ these days that have an instrumental service. You're like, what? What? Through the years, I've heard a lot of prayers. Lord, we pray that what we've done today has been acceptable, that our worship's been acceptable in your sight. Who gets to decide what is acceptable? Because a lot of the things that were on that list are not acceptable to many of y'all. Who gets to decide what is acceptable? You can go from church to church. You can go from town to town. You can go all over this nation and people worship differently. We're sending some missionaries out this week and they're going to go to places they're going to worship a whole lot different than we do today. Who gets to decide what is acceptable? But worship has changed and worship should change depending on the culture, depending on where you are. <clears throat> Okay, I'm not going to read that. Let's keep going. <clears throat> Let me tell you this. The heart of worship is worship from the heart. These people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You want to know what God thinks is acceptable when it comes to worship? Your heart. God's a whole lot more concerned about what's going on inside of you than what's going on outside. You can come here 52 Sundays a year and go through the motions of worship and never worship. Oh, you did all the right things. You said all the right things. In your mind, everything you did was acceptable. But if your heart was not there, then you didn't worship. God's not concerned about the externals. He's concerned about the internal. <clears throat> Y'all are going to get with me here in a minute because I'll make you. The only constant when it comes to worship is God. And so if you want to know what's acceptable and not acceptable to God, just look inside. Because God's interested in our hearts. God demands regular, God-honoring and life-changing worship. God wants us to acknowledge Him. God wants us to show attention to Him. God wants us to give him attention. So when the Samaritan woman said, 
hey, your people worship God over here, and our people worship God over here. Can you tell me where we worship God? Isn't it amazing that she's in the presence of God, and she's more concerned about the location? She's in the presence of God, although she didn't know it, but she's in the presence of God, and she's more concerned about going through the motions of worship and the location of worship than she is in paying homage to the one who created her. God's a whole lot more concerned with what's going on on the inside. Psalm 147, the Lord is pleased only with those who worship Him. John 4, 23, which is where you read about the Samaritan woman. The Father seeks worshipers. Ephesians 5, 10 says, find out what pleases the Lord. You want to know what pleases the Lord? Worship. And He's probably not as concerned with the motions of worship as He is the heart of worship. He wants people who worship Him. He seeks people who will worship Him. He's looking for people who with their hearts will humble themselves and say, hey, we're going to give you attention. God, we place you on the highest place. That's what God is looking for. And yet a lot of times we spend our time policing what goes on in worship. So let me keep going. I like what what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren says, in our culture, it's okay to be passionate about anything except your religion, except your faith, except your relationship with God. I can go to a rock concert or a political rally or a baseball game. I can shout my head off. I can get excited. I can get hoarse from yelling so loud. When my team loses, I can cry, and nobody thinks that's a big deal. When my team wins, I can jump up and dance around and wave my hands. If I do that, people say, he's a real fan. If I do that in church, he's a real fanatic. You don't want to get too emotional about your faith. It's okay about anything else, but not that. We go to football games and worship the gods of the football game and clap and scream and yell and do all those things. Hey, we're not doing that in church. We will show our attention to the gods of this world and be more expressive to them than we will our God, the one and only true and living God. So you better not clap. You better not raise your hands. You better not shout for joy. You better not do a lot of the things that are mentioned in the Bible because we're not comfortable with that. Hmm. We don't want to be fanatics. We don't want people to say something. Here's why we're talking about this. We've got four goals this year, and we're going to look at those over the next four weeks. And the first one is we will gather for worship. That's what we're going to do. We're going to gather for worship. And we're going to invite others to regularly join us in praising God. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Let us magnify. Let us make Him bigger. You know why we're here today? Because, I think I've got this. Let me get to these. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture. Given to the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauty uh, of holiness. Worship is all about God. We're here because it's all about God. The moment you say, I didn't get anything out of worship, you just made worship about you, not God. Now, I didn't like the songs today. You made worship about you. I didn't like the sermon today. You made worship about you. I wish they'd sing the older songs. I wish they'd sing the newer songs. I wish they would. You just made worship about you. Because you want to feel good about worship. We're not here to make you feel good. We're not here to meet your needs. We're here to give God attention, 
and glory. And we're here to honor Him. And we're here to praise Him. And that should be the only thing that is on our mind and the only thing that is on our agenda. Just saying. A lot of those things we started, those buttons at the beginning, really shouldn't make any difference if we're doing this. If we're praising God, when, when you're kneeling before God, you shouldn't be noticing what's going on around you. When you're kneeling before the cross, you shouldn't be noticing. You know, I, don't, I, I really don't like it when they clap. I really don't like it when they... I really don't like it when they... I really don't like it when they... Okay, I'll drive that home in a minute. <clears throat> we are here to give God worth-ship. To give Him His worth, to honor Him and delight in Him. God wants me to focus my mind and my thoughts and my attention on Him. They asked Jesus what time, one time, they said, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give Him everything. Focus everything on Him. We read in Hosea 6, I don't want your sacrifices. This is God. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Listen, folks, we're getting to the stretchy part. When you humbly come before God to give Him worship, there's not a wrong way to do it. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure about that, Richie. Right heart's more important than right method. You can do right method all day long and not have right heart, and all you did was right method. And if that makes you feel good, if we punched your ticket, I'm just going to do communion and walk out because the rest of it doesn't matter. If we're just here to punch your worship ticket so you can go through the motions, you just went through the motions. Hmm. Okay, let me read you a scripture. Are we going to have any scripture today? Exodus 19. In Exodus 19, we're at Mount Sinai. And God's about to give the Ten Commandments. And He tells Moses, listen, you tell the people to consecrate themselves. You tell the people to clean themselves up, which is part of worship, is living holy lives. You tell the people to consecrate themselves, and, and He gives them a list of things to do. And, and you're fixing to come into my presence. And so we read in Exodus chapter 19, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled and Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. And you want to know what God said? I always like it when preachers say, I know what God said. No, you don't. And no, I don't. So I will facetiously say, you know what God said? Here they are in the presence of God and the mountain is shaking and they're shaking. They're in the presence of God. Do you think they're concerned about the order of worship or the location of worship and whether somebody's raising their hands or the clapping or what people are wearing? They're in the presence of God. And the logistics of worship aren't Important. When you're in the presence of God, the only thing that is important is the heart that you're offering to God. When you're in the presence of God, the stuff that we fuss about is not important. When you're in the presence of God, you're there to give Him attention. So if we're supposed to gather for worship, 
When you're in the presence of God, logistics don't matter. Let me say it this way. Sacrifice was, was a religious form used by God to highlight a function. Why did God want people to do sacrifices? Well, it had to do with um, righteousness. God was not interested in creating a people who knew how to kill a lamb. He was interested in creating a people who knew the, what righteousness was about and what the cost of sin was about. The function today is to worship God. The form is not what we're supposed to be fussing about. Right heart's more important than right method. We should never be more concerned with the how of doing worship than the who we worship. Never. Ever. So, not in my notes. Reading the crowd, here's what I feel like I have to say. Okay, here it comes. Richie's fixing to introduce something wild and crazy. No. Not interested in changing a thing. Except our hearts. That's the only thing I'm interested in changing in. That's the only thing God's interested in. Hearts. Richie's fixing to roll in a piano. Nope. An organ. Nope. Wants the praise team on stage. Nope. Just want to clear that up. I just want to clear up that when it comes to the logistics of worship, the most frustrating thing to me is when we say, I don't like it when. You just made worship about you, and we're not here to worship you. Let me read this. With all the problems we have in this world, with all the problems we have in Longview, the last thing we should be doing is fighting over the form of worship. With all the problems in the world, is it any wonder people might not want to come in here and listen to us fuss about logistics? We're supposed to be showing them God and bringing them into the presence of God. We will gather for worship and magnify God and make God bigger. Did you see what she was wearing today? I can't believe that. I can't believe Rodney led that song. I'm so tired of him leading those old songs, so tired of him leading those new songs, just tired of him leading. I like it when Richie stands behind the podium. I like it when Richie roams around. I like it when Richie's on vacation. I like it when... <clears throat> Listen, church, I, one of our goals is we're going to gather for worship. And it's all about God. We're here to dethrone us. We're here to dethrone all the gods of our life that are in our life, and we're here to enthrone God. So let me tell you what worship looks like. Okay, here's your homework assignment. Here's what worship looks like, because I don't know if you figured this out or not. Um, <clears throat> have, have you noticed that in the Bible, God doesn't specifically tell us what to do in worship? He doesn't tell us how long to meet. He doesn't tell us the order. He doesn't tell us what to wear. A lot of the logistics of worship, God never addresses. Maybe because those aren't important. The things that we've made important. <clears throat> Let me tell you what worship looks like, because you can worship outside this building. Let me read you a quote before I read you this. John MacArthur says, The source, the source of most of the problems people have in their Christian lives relates to two things. Either they're not worshiping six days a week with their life, or they're not worshiping one day a week with the assembly of saints. We need both. 
Let me tell you what worship looks like. This is acceptable worship. This is just me. This is just my list. This is what I think is acceptable. When Jesus wakes up in your bed, when Jesus walks in your shoes, when Jesus lives in your house, when Jesus assumes your schedule, when your boss becomes his boss, when your pain becomes his pain, when your thoughts become his thoughts, when your speech becomes his speech, when your decisions become his decisions, when your passions become his passions, when your life is led by Jesus, that's called worship. And that's acceptable to God. When every moment that you breathe, you're thinking about God and giving God attention outside of one hour that we meet on Sunday mornings. When, when you do that your whole life, that's... I like what the message says in Romans 12. Take your everyday life and give that to Jesus. Take your everyday life and give that to Jesus. So we're going to offer the invitation. I want to illustrate some things even more. We're going to offer the invitation of Jesus Christ. It's His invitation. It's not our invitation. And I'm going to encourage you to be baptized. But I'm going to tell you something. We've put more emphasis on the baptism than what's behind the baptism. The baptism is the form. Obedience is the function. God wants us to be obedient to Him. So one of the ways, one of the ways... One of the ways that we're obedient to Him is we respond to Him, and that form looks like baptism. When you make the form more important than the function, people get wet and we never see them again. When you preach the form more than you do the function, people don't understand what God wants in their lives. What God wants in your life is obedience. How do I do that? What does that look like? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And God says, I'll do that. I'll forgive your sins. And then I'll come live in your life. Well, why would I do that? Because God wants me to be obedient to Him. Is baptism important? It's important. Is worship important? It's important. Is what we do in worship important? What we do in worship is important. But the function behind all of this is we're here to praise God. And you know what? When somebody's baptized... We praise God. When somebody's baptized, they're praising God. When somebody, when you greet somebody walking in, you're worshiping. When you go take care of the babies, you're worshiping. It, worship is 24-7. It's not just what we do here. We're going to gather for worship. And when we gather for worship, our goal, our purpose, when Rodney puts together songs, I don't know if you noticed or not, all the songs today had to do with worship. Well, wow, how lucky is that? Because not that you can design worship, but we want to provoke your hearts in such a way that you magnify God and make Him bigger. So we sang worship songs today all about God. I told Rodney, you know, a couple weeks ago, I said, sing all the Ezekiel songs. That didn't take very long. We could sing worship songs... As a matter of fact, volumes and volumes and volumes of books have been written about worship. I'm just scratching. I'm just scratching the surface of worship. And the reason I'm scratching the surface of worship is it's one of our goals. And one of our goals is we're going to gather for worship. Because when we gather for worship, we're telling God, you're important. It's important that we come together as a body. God, you're important that I'm going to give up my Sunday morning, my sleeping in time, my... You fill in the blank. It's so important that I'm going to be here. I'm not saying you have to be here every week. I know we travel. I, I know that our society is so mobile. But you know what? Worship needs to be important in our lives. And that's one of our goals as a church. 
So we offer the invitation of Jesus because it's His invitation for you to give your life to Him. That's called worship. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Will you be baptized in the name of Jesus today? Will you confess the name of Jesus today? Will you repent of your sins and say, I want to live for Jesus today? If you're already a Christian and you're struggling in some way and you need the prayers of the church, will you come down front and let us pray for you? If you want to do that in a private way, you can meet with our elders in the back and they'll take you to a private room and pray for you so nobody knows and nobody sees you come down front. You can't find that anywhere in the Bible. You shall come down front at the invitation song. So thanks for letting me have a little humor in illustrating the importance of why we're here today. We're going to offer the invitation of Jesus because people need Jesus. People need the Lord. So when you leave here, as you worship, as you leave here, you need to remember people need the Lord. So we're going to sing about that. And as we're singing about that, maybe you know somebody that needs the Lord. Would you be thinking about them and praying for them as you're singing this song? Lord, if there's something I can do to touch this person's life so that they get to know you, we offer the invitation of Jesus if you need to respond as we stand and sing.